I wonder how many of us in this very multicultural area found yourself in the UK and it wasn't necessarily the place that you're expecting to find yourself in when you were born. To know other people here, you think, wow, I'm here <laughs> in the UK. I didn't expect to be here. It wasn't where I planned to be, but this is where I am. Daniel found himself in Babylon. He had no plan to be in Babylon. Another history that God had a plan for Israel to be in Babylon. And Daniel found himself caught up in the big picture of God. But Daniel wouldn't have planned to have been in Babylon. Part of that nobility, part of that royalty. Suddenly finds himself in a country he didn't choose. Serving a king who wasn't originally his king. Doing a job that he hadn't applied for. Learning things that were totally countercultural to his history in Israel. And, and yet, in that place that he didn't choose, he loved and served with integrity, an attitude, an amazing outlook that Daniel uh, served Babylon. I think. Josh, one of us possibly put this down slightly. I think it's just vibrating a little bit off here. I want us to look at a verse in, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29. Because in those verses, the prophet Jeremiah writes a letter to those exiles, to those men and women who found themselves in Babylon, this place they didn't choose. And we read probably a key reason for why and how Daniel managed to navigate so well being in that place. So Jeremiah chapter 27 or 29 and verse 7. So this is a letter to the exiles and it says, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because essentially if Babylon prospers, you will prosper too. So you see that Daniel is taken into this place he didn't choose, but he identifies fully with it, and he recognises that if I serve the king really, really well, if I honour the king, if I look for the prosperity of Babylon, the exiles, they will prosper too. And so Daniel finds himself in this place, but instead of resentment unforgiveness, frustration and anger, instead of having an attitude where he thinks um, there's us and them and I'm just going to look after myself and my own, his whole heart is the heart of a servant that seeks the prosperity and the well-being of the king and of Babylon. <coughs> Incredible attitude to seek the prosperity of a place that you didn't choose and a job you didn't choose and a boss you didn't choose. 
to embrace this assignment from God that Babylon would prosper and I'm going to do everything within my capacity and ability to serve this place and do it well. And it says in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 7, it's, or 17, chapter 1 and verse 17, to those four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. He had the supernatural gift. And it says in verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about the king questioned them, he found them, that's Daniel and the other three, ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Daniel had this attitude, I want the king to prosper, and he did his job so well, and he used his God-given ability to learn and understand literature and knowledge so well that whenever the king came to the people from Israel, came to Daniel, they were ten times more able to answer the king's questions than anybody else. Because if the city prospers, we prosper. Uh, we've been sent here to pray and seek for the peace of the city. It's interesting that if he'd have got this resentment attitude and said, I don't choose this place, it's not where I want to be. <coughs> this, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, is an ungodly king. I don't want to serve him. If he'd had this bitterness, this anger, this resentment, it would have created a wall and prevented him from wholeheartedly being able to give himself to serving this place. Have you ever found yourself in a job where there's so much injustice? Have you ever found yourself doing a job where it's just so unfair and you're treated not right? And have you ever found yourself in a situation in that job where resentment gets into your heart and it becomes a barrier between you serving that place and that boss and that manager really, really well? And so you're no longer able to give your absolute best. Daniel navigated this so well because he understood that God had positioned him there for the prosperity of that place. And even though it wasn't the place he would have chosen and it wasn't the situation he would have chosen, he gave himself and God gave him the ability. I I remember being a teacher for nine years and... um, I, I, I loved serving the young people, the 16-year-olds in media, teaching the media, and I loved the um, other staff, um, but I remember having in my heart a kind of resentment because I was on an awful contract. Anybody else been on an awful contract? And uh, I wasn't paid um, for holidays. Anybody else never not paid for holidays? <laughs> And what they did is they just divided my wage to cover my holiday, so I wasn't any better off. And I couldn't get a better contract. Um, I remember not having a great attitude, actually. And I, and I remember it didn't really affect my work, but it affected my heart. And I think, it, I think, as I look back, I wanted the students to do well, and I wanted the staff who were around me to do well, but I had a terrible, stinky attitude to the institution. Yeah. So you can you can work to the people that you're serving. You can do a great <coughs> job to them and the people around you. But if sometimes when we're treated with injustice and we're not treated fairly, we don't want the whole institution to prosper. And sometimes when we hear reports like the college has got financial issues, yeah, uh, my heart leapt a little because yeah. <laughs> you're not treating me fairly. Yeah. 
Daniel wouldn't have been like that. Daniel would have said, no, I'm seeking the prosperity of this college. I want it to be extremely successful, extremely lucrative, and I want everything that it does to be incredibly successful. Because he was seeking the prosperity of Babylon and the prosperity of the king because he recognised that God had placed him in there to seek the peace of the city. So it's an incredible, incredible thing to be able to do that. So I want to talk about um, partly how we do that, how we relate to our... Uh, and Tim's going to carry on this week, next week, looking at how we relate to bosses. But I also want to talk about how we relate to culture in, in its entirety. Because we are a local church in a local community. And God would say to us as a church, and say to Christian Christians, he says, as the city prospers, so you prosper. And that God wants us to be those who are able to engage with culture and engage with the community. Amen. Because for Daniel, it wasn't just there's us and there's them. Somehow, in the commission of God, it was there's just us. <laughs> that we didn't choose Babylon, we find ourselves in Babylon, now as the city prospers, so we prosper. It says that Daniel was given by God the ability to have knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, so that he was able to answer the king's questions ten times better than the magicians and the other, other people who worked for the king. There's something about and we said it before, the church not having a bunker mentality. Do you know what I mean by a bunker? In wartime, you retreat to the bunker and you hide from the big bad world in the bunker to protect yourself from culture. Yeah? And sometimes the church has had that kind of attitude that there's the big bad world. And sometimes we've said the world is Babylon. Yeah? Have you, been, have you ever heard that? The world is Babylon... And we are the church, and there's us, and there's them, and we don't want to engage with them, and we don't want to learn about the language and the culture and the knowledge of Babylon, because that will corrupt, and we need to be in a bunker away from it. But part of being a transformatory people who bring the kingdom is to understand the language Amen. of the culture Amen. and the language of the cultures in, that are around us. Amen. To understand what are the questions, what are the concerns, Amen. what are the people around us thinking about. Because Daniel answered the questions that the king was answering. Sometimes we want to answer questions that our culture isn't even asking right Amen. now. So we need to be in it to influence it so that we know the concerns, the questions, so that we can <coughs> answer the questions of our culture in the language of our culture that translates God to our culture. So Daniel he essentially learned the language of Babylon, he understood the knowledge of Babylon, he understood the literature of Babylon, he, he, he learned how Babylon spoke so that he could answer the questions 
that the king was asking. Now the interesting thing, because I can hear maybe one of you, two of you thinking, so how do we navigate this and remain distinctive and holy? Now Daniel was amazing because he felt that eating the king's food would defile him and spoil him and ruin him. So he said no to that. And yet at the same time he gave himself to knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Babylon was particularly known for its occultic stuff. So it's interesting for Daniel, he navigated holiness, that he understood the language of, of, of the magicians, and he infiltrated that to influence it for the kingdom of God. So this is incredible. So from the outside, if you looked at Daniel... <coughs> He loved God. We saw that last week. He prayed to God three times a day. But if you looked at Daniel from the outside, Daniel would have been associated with the king's enchanters and the king's magicians. In fact, to every observer, Daniel would have looked like a compromised believer who learned the occultic practices, who could answer the questions of the king, and yet tap into the source of heaven because it says here he understood visions and dreams of all kinds he didn't tap tap into occultic dark forces to answer the king's questions he tapped into heaven but because he had understood the language of the culture he could tap into heaven and answer in the king's language Okay. so you probably look at Daniel and say you're a compromised man but actually Daniel kept his heart pure, he decided that the food would defile him, but he still gave himself to learn. That, that's really quite profound. Paul, the apostle, in Acts 17, 28, says, as some of your poets say, in him we live and move, that he was quoting Greek secular poetry. If anything is good, if anything is pure, if, anyone is, if anything is praiseworthy, that is actually secular poetry from Bible times that gets quoted by Paul and then becomes God-breathed divine scripture. But, it, but its origins was a man who understood culture, language. Yes. And so it got redeemed and sanctified and made holy. Come on. So each person has to navigate this, what I'm talking about, according to their own relationship with God. So for Daniel, eating the king's food was not okay. Understanding the king's practices was okay because each believer has to navigate it Find out what pleases the Lord. For one believer, having a TV would spoil them. To another believer, having a TV in every room is totally acceptable. Because find out what pleases the Lord. To one believer, uh, it's a bit outdated this example now, Harry Potter would be defiling to another its interesting and entertainment. Find out what pleases the Lord. So for me, there's something powerful about understanding what's going on in film, what's going on in cinema, what's going on in music, 
what's going on in theatre, what's going on in books, what do people love, what are the questions they're asking, what are the things that they say they need. I don't want to know it so that I critique culture. I know sometimes Christians take culture and then they hold it up to say, look at big bad Babylon. I personally, my conviction is I want to take it so I understand it, so that I can translate God back to people in a way that they understand, answering the questions that the people are asking, building bridges of communication. (coughs) The next thing is that Daniel was incredibly loyal to the king. That Daniel sought, it says in in Jeremiah 29, seek, seek. Daniel 29, verse 7, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So Daniel was incredibly loyal. He sought the well-being, the peace and the prosperity of the king. And we read this incredible thing. So Daniel has a dream, or the king has a dream, and Daniel interprets the dream, and the dream is not good news for the king. The dream is telling Nebuchadnezzar, the the dream is telling him that... Judgment is coming on you. And Daniel says to the king, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversities, adversaries. So he's interpreting the dream to the king, but because he seeks the health, the peace and the prosperity of the king, he wishes... He longed for that this dream, that's judgment, be not on the king, but on the king's enemies. That's incredible heart response. If you've been taken out of where you were to serve a city you didn't choose, to do a job you never asked for, and a king who's ungodly, if you heard that judgment was coming on the king, don't you think that you would just a little bit be, oh, yes. God has heard, God has seen, God is bringing judgment, their wickedness with my contract is now being exposed. But Daniel says, I don't want it to be on you because my whole assignment is your health, is your prosperity, is your well-being. I am devoted to the king. And his devotion to the king was because God had given him an assignment to be a blessing where he was. It had nothing to do with the purity of the king. The king was actually evil and sinful and needed to come to repentance. Indeed, Daniel in chapter 4 does say to the king, Therefore, your majesty, in verse 27, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may then be that it may then your prosperity will continue. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. So he's wanting the well-being of the king and he's seeking after the health, the prosperity of the king positions him to even call the king to repentance for his oppression. 
So we are called to the welfare of this area. As FCA team prospers, so we prosper. As the righteous prosper, so the city rejoices. As the area prospers, so we prosper. So our calling is the well-being, is the health, is the peace, is the prosperity of all this area. That's our assignment, that's our responsibility. So we are called to deliberately pursue the prosperity, the success and the health of SC18 and all the surrounding areas. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything that goes on in our culture, but it does mean that we recognise that our assignment, our God-given kingdom assignment, is to this area, to do this area good. It's our community. <clears throat> These, the, we are SC18. We are where you come from. We are. It's not us, and it's not them. It's us. So these are not just streets. These are my streets. It's not just... We say every time, because it bothers me, want God-given wisdom and solution. It's not just rubbish in the street. It's rubbish in my streets. It's not just graffiti on a wall, it's graffiti on my wall. It's not just gang crime, something to avoid. No, it's, it's, it's something that's happening in my community. It's like if it happens, sometimes we, if it's happening in our family, it becomes our problem. Mm. If it's happening in our community, it's our problem, it's our area. We seek the prosperity of the area. We seek its peace. We seek its health. We seek its well-being. We don't seek its judgment. (coughs) That even if there are lifestyle activities, choices, reaping, sowing, we want to say to our community, SCA team, if only what we're seeing didn't apply to you. We don't want these things to happen to you. We want you to be doing well. We want you to be strong. We want you to be prospering. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be full, uh, full of peace. And that it's not us and them. That it's not that it's not what's our project to the community. It's not. Who are we going to target? Like we're here in our world and then there's this and then somehow we're separate from that. It's not looking for what are we going to target and what's our project. That when the community knows we're part of the community, it then positions us to answer the questions that they are asking in the language that they understand and it gives us a powerful voice to also say, renounce your sins by doing what is right. Renounce your wickedness. Come to him. Get forgiven. Get reconciled. Come home. But not as an evangelistic project. Not as an evangelistic target. But as a heart culture that says, I belong here. This is my community. This is my family. 
And then to conclude, but, so there's this bigger thing, this is bigger culture, and then there's the mini-cultures that we lived, live in, which I've spoken about already, where we work. The Daniel shows that you don't have to be the boss, you don't have to be the manager, you don't have to run the company, you don't have to be the head teacher to shape culture and serve culture and love culture. That Daniel influences the whole king or the whole kingdom of Babylon just by being there. And it's how we see that the kingdom of God is like yeast. That when, when we're within any organisation with a heart that I want it to do well, I want it to prosper, I want it to have peace, I want it to have health. And we're in there with that attitude. Can you see that God, when, we get into, when, we, when we get into gossip with those around us, and I did this at the college, where you, you, you're serving the kids, and you're, 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 you're loving the people around you, but you also make those around you understand that you're, you're, you're a bit um, frustrated and annoyed and you feel there's injustice. And so you look for opportunities to gossip, not about the managers around you, but <coughs> often about the higher echelon of the hierarchy who you've got no relationship with, who are in the distance. And you create uh, allegiances through um, gossip. <coughs> But when you're in it, and that you might be experiencing injustice, and I'm not saying you shouldn't ask for a pay rise or a better contract, I'm not saying you shouldn't let your demands be known and ask, but when you navigate it with a heart of, I'm going to ask for what I need, I'm going to ask for the favour of God, but I will not allow any root of bitterness, anger, or any poverty mindsets, victim mindsets to dominate how I navigate this place. So I'm going to be like a bit of yeast in this organisation, in this business, in this organisation, in this hospital, in this school, and I'm going <coughs> to practice the values of the kingdom. And I'm going to practice the lifestyle and personal, personal holiness in this place, in the way I speak. And I'm going to give my talents to learning and understanding. And that, So when anybody asks me a question, in my area of influence, in my area of responsibility... Or whenever they ask me to do anything, they're going to find me to be ten times better than anybody else. Because I've been enabled by God to be an influence here. And that when we do that, the kingdom values, the kingdom lifestyle, the personal holiness will be noticed, will be noticed eventually. And maybe people won't notice at the beginning, but they'll soon find out when you need to get something done, and when you need to get it done really, really well... You go to him or her because they do it with a good heart and they produce a good product or they're reliable and they're trustworthy. And it's interesting for Daniel, in doing that and being in it, eventually his testimony gets heard and seen. So do you remember when they asked, they told Daniel, if you worship God, you're going to be thrown into the lion's den. He goes in and God protects him. And then the king says, King Darius says at the end of this in 626, I, I, I issue a decree. So he's seen the testimony. He's seen that God rescued Daniel. Then the king, who essentially had Daniel thrown into the lion's den, I issue a decree. <coughs> then every part of my kingdom, people must fear 
and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He, he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel's in it with integrity, seeking the prosperity of the king and the kingdom. He does it with, uh, with real uh, uh, trustworthiness. He never neglects what he's asked to do. There's no corruption in him. He gets thrown into lions and then his testimony becomes seen by everyone else. Daniel's God rescues Daniel's God provides. Daniel's God makes a way. Daniel's God has dominion even over lions. And so the king who doesn't know Daniel's God reveres him and honours him because Daniel's in the culture speaking the language of the culture to the people using the words they understand, translating God to people, tapping into heaven's power to answer the king's questions, not tapping into occultic power but God's power to answer the questions the king is answering, asking, and God delivers Daniel and he has a testimony that causes the king, in a sense, to worship God. 